So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much for being here as well. I hope you enjoy the morning with us. Last week, we were challenged by the vision and values of Bikers Church Midran. We just took another look at it and saw what does it mean to our lives? How does it impact us? How does it impact our daily living, our Sunday coming to church, uh, and everything in the middle? Those things are important, isn't it? Because it doesn't just help if we Sunday Christians. That's, that's dangerous. It's dangerous to us, and I think it's even more dangerous to the people around us, isn't it? Uh, but somewhere in what Ramon said, now this might have not challenged you, but I've got the mic and I'm selfish. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it challenged me, all right? He asked this question. He's, he asked, what does your life draw attention to? What does your life draw attention to? Now, in this world of ours, let's be honest, the world is pretty obsessed with drawing attention to itself, isn't it? It's in the way that people dress. It's to draw attention to themselves. I know not everybody, but you know some people, okay? It's in, it's in the way certain people behave. It's to draw attention to themselves. It's in the bike some folks ride. Um, don't say that too loud. It's in the way they ride that bike um, that sometimes to draw attention to themselves, isn't it? But it is. It's something that we all deal with. And this attention is drawn to an outward representation or, or a word that we see a lot or hear a lot, an image. All right. So we see this posturing, it's a big word for a Sunday morning, but we see this posturing um, for an image or towards an image in different things, in many spheres. We see it um, politically. Uh, certain people show up at a certain place and you know, um, well, everything that goes along with it. And there's a posturing. There's a standing up and pointing themselves in, in a certain way and showing themselves in a certain way because, well, that's what they want to do. That's the image they put forth. Uh, there's a social image. It's people standing in the community um, portraying a front. Who, who knows that that's not, that image isn't really the truth most of the time. We only know that if we're really, really honest with ourselves, don't we? And it's uncomfortable to be honest with ourselves, but that's why we're here this morning, isn't it? All right. Then, scary thing, but true, there's even a religious image that we put forth. Um, in certain churches, we, we sing with our hands down here. Other churches, we sing with our hands up here. Other churches, we don't sing with hands at all. And it is, it, is, it is a bit of posturing. There is a bit of image involved in it so that we fit in, so that we don't stand out too much because we want to stand out just enough, not too much because then it gets uncomfortable, isn't it? All right. But this, this image projection has led to all kinds of interesting things in this world. It's given people job opportunities. This has blown my mind. You get people called image consultants. I don't know what, they, what you need them for, but apparently you do. And apparently an image coach is not the same as an image consultant. There is a difference. Once again, I don't know what the difference is, 
I'm not an expert on this, but apparently there is a difference. Then, the one that really, really got me going. There are people who has jobs called, they are influencers. Literally, their job description is to influence people. To get folk, folks to, to listen, to see, to concentrate on what they're doing and how they're doing it. And they get people to buy certain shoes, to wear certain brands, to eat at certain restaurants, to drive certain cars. It is literally their job to influence the rest of us. And it's all about image. It's all about influencing through an image that they portray. And that image is, well, it's alluring and it's like, mm, that's nice. I can see myself in that, with that, through that. And we miss out on a lot of things because of it. And maybe we happen onto some nice things because of it too. It's neither a good or a bad thing, I don't know. I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert in this. But this image thing really is truly far-reaching, especially if you think that it even influences people's job opportunities. The, uh, the getting or, or losing of a job is influenced by people's image. These days, if you go for a job interview, they even check your Facebook profile. Why? Because for the longest time we've heard that who I am on the weekend does not influence who I am in the week. Uh, your boss has found a way to figure out who you are on the weekend so that he can see uh, who you are in the week. And, and if you come in like on a Monday and you're like, oh, yes, I can't work. He's like, oh, yeah, I know why you can't work. I saw why you can't work. You know, it's like, how's that flight in this morning? You know, at like four o'clock. So this image that we portray even attaches itself to our jobs these days. And I know that this might be quite controversial. Um, people say things like, but I only, I only post these Bible verses, you know, these Bible verse images. I'm like, that's fantastic, but did you realize that half of them were taken out of context and they make no sense? And so you are actually just showing your ignorance. And that's also an image being portrayed. And that's scary, isn't it? So, let's get a definition of what this image is. Now, an image is a rep representation or a likeness of the external. It's a reflection or a general presentation um, to the public, something that you put out there. And other people see, and we love this, they judge us for it, don't they? But on page one of all our Bibles, we find this word image. You can go check it. Well, not just the New Testament, a full Bible, okay? On page one, we find this word image. It's, it's in Genesis 1 and verse 27. It says, God created man in his own image. Now, the Hebrew word used there is shadow or outline or representation of the original. So meaning that we are representations of God's function, of God's purpose, of God's thoughts, because we are created in his image. And so it turns out that this image thing isn't such a, such a new thought. It uh, actually has an origin, it originates with God. 
All right? Now, historically, uh, we see kings set up images. Well, why did they do that? Well, kings of the old, like Roman kings, like Persian kings, like Egyptian kings, they saw themselves as gods, small g. Uh, you know, their wonders weren't that wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but they saw themselves as gods. So they ruled over people and they believed that they should be worshipped because of their stature. And um, they made these images of themselves and they made these rules to govern others so that their lives would be comfortable. All right. Here's the thing. Like I said, this idea wasn't extremely original because God first created in his image and he gave authority for his creation to rule over the creation. Okay? And then this creation was made to worship the creator, not images, not, not themselves, not other things, but to worship the creator. And the laws and rules that God instituted was for the freedom and the safety and the protection of his creation, not just to keep him comfortable. Isn't that cool? The problem is we see ourselves in these kings of old. We love ruling over people, don't we? We love being in charge. It's like to, you know, chase some people around, tell them how to do it, when to do it, what color I like it in. Sorry, the wind isn't blowing the right direction. You stand there. Okay, it's better now. Yeah? We do that, all right? We believe that we should be worshipped. That's why my Facebook profile is so full of pictures of myself. Don't we? All right? We, 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 we create rules so that our lives can be more comfortable. It's not necessarily for the protection of others. No, 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 no. The rules I put in my life is so that I am more comfortable, isn't it? And, and let's not speak about images of ourselves. Uh, that just gets really, really, really bad very quickly. But if we were created in God's image, something needs to change, isn't it? There needs to be a paradigm shift. And I believe it's in this. If we were created in God's image, image we find our image in God. We are found in His image. And that's the point of all this. Say, but I've never seen God. Well, we have a whole book that explains who He is, what He is like, what it looks like when He walks the earth, because He sent His Son as a representation of Himself. So we don't have an excuse. Colossians 1 from verse 15. I'll read verse 15 and then we'll jump on a little bit and read from verse 19, but it starts off like this. It says in verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Then it speaks about how he's supreme over all creation, how he was the first, first to be created and he's supreme over everything and he takes care of everything and everything was created in him, for him. He's the point of everything. Then verse 19 goes on and it says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, 
Now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And now you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Where are we found? We are found in the image of Christ. Because verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Look at him. Listen to him. I love how Jesus comes out of the water when he's baptized. And and God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then later on, when, um, when, when, when Jesus is transfigured and, and three of the disciples sees him, absolutely changed. They are in wonder of what's just happened. God says, this is my son. Listen to him. And may we do that. May we please God. Why? Because we've listened to the son. Because then we are found in his image, aren't we? God reconciled us back to himself to get us to live in his presence. And he made this possible because we are found in God, in his image. Now, the point here is that we need to be good representations of the Father then, isn't it? And how do we do that? Well, Jesus gave us a command and a commission. Two two simple things to do. And he even dumbed it down quite a bit for us. Into love God, love others, and serve God and serve others, so that those others will love God and love others and serve God and so serve others, so that those others will learn to love God and love others. And so it goes. So our purpose and our function is wrapped up in these simple instructions. Love God, love others, serve him and serve those others. Now as God's image becomes our focus, we are formed into his image. We are changed. Little by little, it takes a while, unfortunately. I I wish it was the transfiguration, you know, we get to meet Moses and Elijah and dang, there we go. Image of Jesus. Unfortunately, it takes a bit of time because it takes a lot of choices on our side and, and we are slow to make good choices, aren't we? Romans 8 and verse 29 says it this way. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brethren. God chose us to become like his son, to be formed and changed into the image of Jesus. So as we continually look at Christ, we find our purpose and our function in him um, as we look to serve God and his people. How are we changed? Well, things that were never a priority suddenly become a priority. What are those things? Well, there's a list, but I'm going to look at three, all right? Let's start at the one I think that starts us off on our journey most of the time, is discipleship. It's like, am I submitted to a process of discipleship? All right. Do I want to be changed by Jesus? Well, that happens in community. That's why God put us in communities. That's how we change. That's how we challenged. Uh, who knows that Sunday church isn't good enough? 
I said that. You know, and it's the truth because you can come to church on Sundays all you want. I don't know if it's going to change you. There's a bunch of decisions that you need to make. And then there's a community that you need to submit yourself to and go, I'm struggling with this. Oh, good. It's because you, you suck at these things. Oh, okay. I'll go change them. And then if we implement those truths, we change. We change into who God has created us to be originally, don't we? So are we submitted to this process of discipleship? The second part of discipleship is it's exciting to disciple others. When you learn a new truth, it is a lot of fun to go and tell someone else who struggles with the same thing. Hey, you don't have to struggle like this. This is what God told me. One of the first things that we learn usually is John 3.16, isn't it? Or we've heard it many times, but you know, I don't know if it affects everybody because you know, when you've heard something once, you think, ah, oh, you know, I've heard that. But when we think about it, that God so loved the world that he sent his son to come and die and pay the price for us and so that no one would perish. Man, that's an important truth. And when we share with so, that with someone, if that's the only thing I have, I'm like, you won't believe what changed my life. Jesus loves me, and he doesn't want me to land up in a place outside of relationship with him. So that person's like, that's fantastic. What more? I have nothing else. So I'm going to go read my Bible again, and I'm going to learn something new. So a week later, you come back, and you're like, you won't believe what I read. What did you read? I read that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Really? Yes. What more? I don't know. I don't have anything else. <laughs> and so we grow as we teach others to grow. Because that's discipleship. The second thing that becomes a focus, the second thing that becomes important to us is integrity. We realize that we are stewards of what God has given us. And, and, and this, when we boil it all down to simple things, we are stewards of time and resources. Because over and over again, we are requested those things in our lives, time and resources. And we realize that there's only so much and we need to spend it on the right stuff. In our relationships, do we spend, how do we spend our time and our resources, in our relationships with our families, in our relationships with our friends, in our relationships with work folks. How do we spend our time and our resources? We get challenged by this, and our integrity helps us to spend it well. That's why we challenged. When we lived apart from integrity, well, it didn't really matter. Who was the most important person in my life? Me. Whose image was I building? Mine. Whose image am I building today? Well, I am doing everything in my power to turn this likeness into Jesus. Won't change my face, but it'll change what I do and how I do it. And so integrity has become important because in our relationships, uh, that um, time and resources can also be translated as, as honor and humility. How do we honor the people we work for, the people we work with. How do we honor the, our friends and families? Uh, and who knows that if you've ever raised a child without humility, it is impossible. That's, I think that's why grandparents have such a great time with grandchildren. 
Because they just look at grandchildren and they're like, you are doing everything to my child that he did to me. <laughs> Payback is wonderful, isn't it? And so without humility, we're in deep trouble when it comes to relationships, isn't it? Without saying, I don't have to be right all the time. I can lose the argument and win the person. All right. Then the second part of integrity is integrity in, our, in the marketplace. Are we stewards of what God has entrusted to us in our work day? Before, I could steal pens at work. I work here, so, you know, just no. <laughs> I could cheat on my taxes. I could, I could, I could. But what damage does that do to the image of God? What damage does that do to the one that I love, who I'm trying to model my life after? And suddenly integrity becomes an issue. And we stand before a choice again. Do I want to do it better? Do I want to do it God's way? Or am I the most important person in my life and I don't really care about anybody else? So, the third thing is leadership. It's something that we see in Jesus' life in a massive way. The third, the third thing that has formed and changed in us. This, two questions come up, really. Am I easy to lead? And am I easy to follow? Am I easy to lead? Um, well... Do I submit to my leadership? Uh, or do I make my leadership's life hard? In, in wherever, at work, do I make my boss's life hard? Is my attitude, just wait till I'm in charge? I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if you're ever gonna be in charge, I'll be honest. Not with that attitude. Or do we submit ourselves to, hey, this is, this is the person who's in charge of me. I might not like it, but they're responsible in the end. I know that it's different when things get illegal. Don't go there. Don't corrupt your morals. But you're there to submit. You're there to arrange yourself under certain things, aren't we? Then, am I easy to follow? Or do I just like to command people around? Do I just like to, people, like to tell people what to do? Um, am I lording it over others is pretty much what the Bible asks. Am I like literally, I've got this iron hand and I am ruling, and you dare not step outside of what I tell you to do, all right? Is it, you know, I'm easy to follow. It's my way or the highway. I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> the thing is, are we open to learn and grow? Even as leaders, are we continually looking to learn and grow? Now, Colossians 3. And verse 10 says the following, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know God, your creator, and become like him. Put on your new, new nature and be renewed as you learn to know God, your creator. So this is a continual process. This is a continual forming. This is a continual changing as we grow and get to know God. Is it easy? No. Is it going to happen in a moment? No. Is it going to take a lot of good decisions? Yes. Is it worthwhile? 100%. Every time. Because we become changed from the inside out so that we can show off God's image, so that we can show off 
his nature so that we can be good representations of our father now when we when we are found in his image when we are formed by his image something interesting happens suddenly we become fruitful we bear fruit of his image now this fruit thing is interesting in genesis 1 and verse 28 uh, right after we were created in God's image, God says something to, to Adam. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. He pretty much says, rule over everything. You take care of it. You govern it. All right? Now, if you think back to Adam, there wasn't much to rule over and govern. He had to name the animals which he did, very interestingly. I'm just thinking of English today, like some of that, those animal names. I'm not sure how he got to that, all right? And then the second thing was, there was gardening to do, you know? Because that was it, you know? He, he, he had to walk, in, walk with God in the cool of the day, check out the animals and do some gardening. That was life in the Garden of Eden. I, I think it's a pretty sweet life, I'll be honest. Would like a motorbike in there, but uh, you know, Maybe later, I don't know, all right? But that was it, gardening. And then the fall of man happens, sin enters the world, and everything's a mess. Jesus comes, and he, he reconciles us to God. He pays the price for our sin, and he, and he puts us right with God, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And he says that he'll send us the Holy Spirit so that he'll always be with us, and that, so that we will grow in him and through him and with him. And these gardening instructions come up again. Like gardening instructions? I've never read my Bible that way. You know, trust me, it's here. Galatians 5 from verse 22 to 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. We're back to gardening, aren't we? All right. If we are found in God, if we are formed by his image, then we will be fruitful. We are gardening. What are we gardening? His fruit in our lives. And we get to pick the fruit and we get to pick the, the blessing of having those fruit in our lives, isn't it? So we will bear fruit when we allow God to transform us. Now, why all of this? Well, Jesus tells, well, he kind of gets challenged by the, by the Pharisees just one more time. And you can read about this in Luke 20 uh, from verse 20 to 26 and Matthew 22 from verse 15 to 22. Jesus gets, gets challenged by the, by the Pharisees. They're plotting to catch him out somehow, to get him locked up, to get him like kicked out of the city. And they figured that, on religious grounds, they're struggling. So they're going to try on legal grounds. So they gang up on him again and they, they ask him, and this is a challenging one for, for a lot of us, but they ask Jesus, um, so should we pay taxes to Caesar? So should we pay taxes? That's usually a very stressful scripture for, for a lot of people. All right. But Jesus says to them, I love his answer. He's like, yeah. why are you trying to trap me again? But he answers them this way. He says, okay, tell you what, I'll play with. Here, show me a coin 
that you use to pay the tax. So they hand him a coin. Jesus has a look at the coin, and he says to them, whose image and title is on this coin? And they say, Caesar's. And he's like, fantastic. He says, well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. We missed the most important detail here because Jesus didn't say it. He says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But what Jesus is effectively asking is, whose stamp and whose title, whose image and whose title is on you? Give to God what belongs to God. If you are so willing to pay your taxes because somebody's image and, image and title is on that, well, then render to God what belongs to him because you were created in his image. You are supposed to be carriers of that image. And all you're doing is you're persecuting his very son, you Pharisees. And that's a big challenge for us today. Whose picture and title is stamped on us. Give to God what belongs to God. In a world obsessed with image, what are we supposed to look like? We're supposed to represent God. We're supposed to be carriers of his image in everything. How do we do that? We find ourselves in his image. We, are, we allow ourselves to be formed by that image and we carry the fruit of that image. Is it easy? No. Is, does it take a daily decision? Yes. In fact, it takes many daily decisions, doesn't it? But it's worthwhile because that's whose title and image is stamped on each and every one of us. This morning, if you were challenged, I'm going to ask you to stand with me because I need to be a better representation of that title and image. So I'm gonna give you the opportunity. Would you stand with me if you want to? No, no, no pressure this morning. Thank you for your honesty. Let's pray together. Well, Lord God, we thank you for you, who you have created us to be. Lord, we thank you that you have not challenged us with something impossible, Lord, but you have challenged us to be exactly who you have created us to be. And Lord, you have challenged us with something that's going to be a lot of fun, that's going to carry purpose, that's going to carry function. And Lord, as, as we confess that we aren't the best representations of you that's around that we haven't followed Christ, that we haven't found ourselves 100% in Christ to be formed by his image and be fruitful in this world, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we can confess our sin and our shortcomings. Lord, and that your word says that your son comes and washes us clean. Lord, and we get to stand in Christ's righteousness, Lord. We get to take that as our own and to live in that truth, Lord, and to move in that truth and to be fruitful in that truth in our everyday lives. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. And Lord, that we can simply live lives that are found, formed, and fruitful in your image. And that that is our creational purpose. And that is the reason why we, have, we are on this earth. And Lord, if we start doing that, everything else 
makes sense. We thank you, Lord, for the promises in your word around that and that we can hold fast to that and that we might know that things work out when we submit ourselves to you and your image in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, we'd love for you to join us for a cup of coffee afterwards. You are free to go. Have a wonderful Sunday. See you next week.